Welcome, everybody. Back for another episode. We're now at episode 10. Man, look at us. We're Double digits. There, Just Chris and me, James, here today for you guys. Um, so episode number 10, Chris, jersey number, Devil's History. Uh, I'm going to go with Rod Pilly. There you go. Rod Pilly. We've talked about Rod Pilly. We have. These, we've, uh, we've discussed it a couple times, yeah. Um, I got Peter Harold. Peter Pete. Harold, yeah. He was <laughs> yeah. part of the Cup Run team. He was like the seventh D man, I think. Yeah, he was. He thought yeah. I'd play a little too much, but good old Peter Harold. Alrighty. Um hockey's back, which is great. Um, had some exhibition games, which we'll be speaking about. Um Saturday, August first, gonna be open up real play, which is awesome. So quick rundown for you guys for what we're gonna be discussing here. Current news, as always, we're going to start out with, like I said, we'll recap the preseason, if you want to call them expedition games. After that, we have another one of the Devils Prospect Roll Call segments. We're going to be talking about the 2017 draft class. And we're going to end it out with one pending Devils NHL level um, unrestricted free agent. Should be an interesting discussion there. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, first one, current news throw some news at you. It wasn't a whole bunch going on this week with hockey starting. The news kind of like turned back. Um, first one is John. What's his last name? How do you say? You I believe it's Cheka. Cheka. So yeah, there's a whole tobacco with him. I'm sure our listeners are familiar with it because it really took the hockey world by storm, mm-hmm. funnel, uh, which is kind of funny. But so the whole ordeal, if you haven't heard about this is there was rumblings for a while about him and the coyotes uh ownership having a little bit of disgruntle there was like talks about him not even going with the coyotes down to the bubble and things came to a head and they parted ways they each released real like aggressive passive aggressive type statements like yeah kind of calling each other out um so you could tell it got ugly so everyone's like oh we wonder what happened so supposedly Cheka was talking to another team or an organization. Coyotes didn't like that because there was a certain clause in this contract. So, turns out this team was, or organization was your very own New Jersey Devils. This was, confirmed, this was confirmed by Greg W. of ESPN. And the role wasn't for the Devils specifically, but it was with Harris and Blitzer's team. Um, you know how they own... The Philadelphia 76ers, the New Jersey Devils, and they have a part-time stake in Swansea City, the soccer team over in England. I think they have like a 5% stake in the Steelers or something in the NFL. Yep. Isn't that new, too? Yeah, that's that was do that? relatively recently they did that. Mm-hmm. And us Mets fans know they're rumored to be possibly looking into buying the Mets with yeah. them being up for sale. We'll see how that goes. I don't think they're the front runners, though, no, I don't think what's going on there. But Cohen and A-Rod's group. Yeah, that's another discussion. But yeah, that's the Cheka little interesting thing. I don't know if anything's going to materialize, if he'll come over to New Jersey giving everything that's going on, but it's something worth watching. So one thing I'll mention about that whole situation, um, hashtag bad boys for life, you know, us New Jersey Devils. Um, I, I think this could have been a situation of uh, rookie ownership maybe making a mistake because we know that uh, ownership just changed over in Arizona this year. And um, part of why it just set hockey Twitter on fire is because, uh, you know, they didn't just get to talk to Chaka. They had to ask for permission, and Arizona gave it. Um, I don't know why they would when they gave him an extension for three years or whatever. Um, But anyways, basically a lot of, like, 
hire up people in hockey or like once you give permission, like that's it. Like anything that's said can be said. Like there's no limit on what can be talked about. Um, and supposedly the whole argument between, you know, him taking a position with the entertainment group and they're claiming it's like similar to the title he has, which in his contract, he's not allowed to do like a lateral move. He can either move up or down in position with another organization, but he can't leave for like a similar level or position. It's all murky. I don't understand why Arizona wants Bettman to get in on it because in my opinion, it's like Coyote's already in a doghouse with Bettman because them doing that whole scandal with scouting players when they were and stuff like that. But I mean, it's like, if you're Bettman, what are you going to say? Like, okay, you guys are (laughs) right. Like, are you going to keep them? Like, or I I just don't understand how that works out with Bettman like sitting in on it. He's like, what do you want me to say? Like, (laughs) who knows? Messy situation. We'll see if anything else materializes, but I think might be that with that. Mm-hmm. So um, we were to our last episode, the special we did previewing everything predictions. There was we were a little confused on Brett Seabrook if he was out, if he was playing. So he's confirmed out. And also there was a little confusion on Corey Crawford. He is actually good to go. He played in the expedition game and he played very well. Yeah, he did so good. good to see that for the Blackhawks. A little fun thing. Um, saw some hockey straps, some Tillies, oh, Brian yeah. Boyle and Mikhail Sergeyev. Some Donnie Brooks. Now, that Boyle, Sergeyev, I saw them two going, and I right away thought back to the 2018 playoffs when the Devils played Tampa in round one, and there was that, I don't want to say famous, but the very well-known video of him pointing to Sergeyev and mouthing what looks like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So that probably has something to do with that. That was funny to see. And then Zach Boychuk and Claude Lemieux got into a little scrap. Lemieux mm-hmm. suspended, correct? Once he's playoff yeah, he playing games, yeah, suspended start. for the initial start of the uh, playing games. Like four games. Yeah, I forget what exactly it is, but I do know they like they came out with the suspension right before the qualifiers like started because obviously they started focusing on other things uh, yeah. instead of suspensions. So the last bit of news I want us to talk about real quick is the HL announced their season is anticipated to commence on December 4th. Now, the actual NHL season right now is supposed to start January 1st, correct? I believe so, yeah. So this is a little interesting. Um, Them to start December 4th and the NHL not to start about a month later, but um, that's an anticipated date. So who knows? Maybe that'll change. But yeah, that's what's going on with the HL right now. Um, yeah, I mean, the NHL is focusing on a TV deal and increasing viewership. Um, I think the NHL is just kind of building around that, sort of. Uh, and, and they both still have to come up with their own plans. I'm sure we'll still see bubble situations for the following seasons for both of them. So Yeah, who knows? But, all right, we're going to move into the recaps of the games that were played this week and as we mentioned these games were just tune-up games um get everyone back to playing get the field they didn't mean really much um but all the main get guys played in my veins yeah all the main guys played so i it could be used as a pretty good barometer of what to expect mm-hmm. um so i'll start here with the july 28th games there was only three from this date um pittsburgh versus philly started us off the flyers ended up winning three two in overtime Goals were scored by Connor Sheary, 
Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes, and JC Zucker tied it up late in the third. Scott Lawton ended up winning it in overtime for the Flyers. The shot advantage uh, shot advantage was in favor of the Penguins. They were up 26-22, and they were probably the better team. Um, it was it was like a close game, pretty even. Um, Goaltending-wise, both Tristan Jari and Matt Murray play, and both Carter Hart and... Elliot played for the Flyers, so that's all we're going to say with that game. Moving on, next game was Toronto and Montreal. The Maple Leafs won this one 4-2, high-scoring game. A lot of these games um, did not – a little betting talk. They were all low-scoring. They didn't – all the over-unders were set at 5.5, and, and I think they there was some – cr- some rust. Yeah, there was some crazy stat where every single under hit besides this Toronto game. There was 12 games and 11 of the 12 were unders. But anyway, for the Leafs, um, Ilya Mikheyev. Soup. Um, so if you guys remember right, just for Bratt, Skate accidentally came and clipped his wrist and he had a nasty injury, um, tendon injury, it's, lacerations yeah. on his wrist. And this was his first game back and he scored a goal. So he opened the scoring. Alexander Kerfoot made it 2 nothing. Thomas Tatar scored, answered 2-1. Kerfoot got a second in the game, 3-1 headed in the third. It got to be a 3-2 game once uh, Aaron put one home. But... Morgan Riley scored a shorthander, which was actually the second shorthanded goal of the game. Um, Montreal gave up two shorthanders, and they were 0-6 on the power play. So not a great start there for special teams from Montreal. Carey Price played the full game for the Canadians, saved 19-23. And Frederick Anderson played the full game for Toronto, saving 20-30. of 30. Last game, Battle of Alberta. We had a little Edmonton versus Calgary. Unfortunately, there was no straps or anything like that. You think we'd see a little Cassian and Kachuk fight? But, um, yeah, maybe they weren't feeling it because it was just expedition, but who knows. McDavid, doing his thing, had two goals. Uh, Oscar Clefbaum, defenseman, probably top defenseman for Edmonton, had two assists. Nico Koskinen, um, 17 shots faced, 17 saves, <clears throat> excuse me, 17 saves. Veteran Smith also played, faced 20 shots, made 19 saves. Riddick struggled, which is not good to see for Calgary because he has to be good. Um, yeah. They want to win the series against Winnipeg. Um, yeah, like he just has to be decent because Winnipeg's not all that great, but he struggled. He saved 7 and 9. Cam Talbot played, played a little better, saved 19 at 21. So that was a 4-1 final in favor of Edmonton. So, Chris, let's hear about the July 30th slate. All right. So uh, we had a couple pretty good exhibitions. Some of them I got to watch myself. But uh, Battle of the Sunshine State, Lightning and Panthers. Uh, Bolts won 5-0. Major points here. Braden Point came alive. Uh, Two goals, two assists. Kucherov, two goals and an assist. Uh, Luke Shen also scored for the Lightning. And Palat had three assists. Um, Bobrovsky did play the whole game, uh, made 29 saves on 34 shots. That's a 853 save percentage. Oh, no boy, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tampa dominated. They were yeah. ready, unlike how they were last year going into the playoffs. And Florida's going to need to find their game quick, uh, even if just to have a chance in the qualifiers. They're going to need to find it quick. Bob's got to so, figure it out. That's who's got to mm-hmm. figure it out. I actually looked at the numbers and, um, they weren't as the lightning still did yeah, were the better team. Light, it wasn't yeah. as bad. It shouldn't have been five nothing. Bob did not play well, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah, Braden Point got some short side goals that were uh, a little questionable. But uh, next game, Abs versus the Wild. This one, uh, 
kind of impressed me because uh, the Avs did win it 3-2, but I felt I the Wild were in it the, the whole way. I um, think they were the better team. They looked yeah. good. Yeah, the Wild were, were with the Avs every step of the way. Um, McKinnon scored, went end-to-end, did his McKinnon thing. Uh, Landis Gog with a goal and assist as well. Uh, Eric Stahl, goal and assist for the Wild. Goalies split time in net. You'll see that a lot with these exhibition games. They tried to get uh, most of their goalies some action to get a feel. So Grubauer and Frank Kuz split for the Abs. Uh, excuse me, the Abs. Stalock and Dubnik for the Wild. Um, and the Abs' third goal came on a five-on-three power play. So take with that what you will in a three-two win. Um, I think this honestly helps boost our belief, James and I, of the Wild being a, a, a upset in the first round here. Yeah, I don't even Nuts. think it should be regarded as an upset. I know technically it is, but I'm surprised that the Canucks are still favored. I'd be very surprised if the Canucks Yeah, won. Yeah, I, me too. And we'll, we'll get into that game that they played as well here in a second. But uh, next up, you got Keynes and the Caps. Um, remember this playoff round matchup last year? Um, Caps did win 3-2. Uh, Trocek and Teravainen were your goal scorers for Carolina. Ovi being Ovi, he's Did ready. He had two goals and an assist. Uh, Kuznetsov, Kuzi had a goal as well. He scored Hope from his he... office too. Okay. Yep, yep, yeah. right on the dot. Mm-hmm. He and he, he had a sick pass. Joe at all though, right? No, he, he didn't knock, knock out, out. Uh, Sveshnikov. <laughs> no, but he had a nice uh, pass to Kuznetsov for his goal and everything. So Ovi's ready. Um, Holtby stopped 12 of 13. Uh, we'll see if you're going to get playoff Holtby or regular season Holtby. I think if you get playoff Holtby, it caps are dangerous. If you get regular season, who knows how far they get. Yeah. Uh, and I believe it's, uh, Vitek Vanacek is the other tender while Samsonov is out. Uh, he, I believe he split time with Holtby, uh, and that's what they're going to rock with until Samsonov either comes back or whatever happens. Um, Carolina had 27 shots. Caps had 25, but the major thing is the caps had 24 hits. Carolina 18s, they kind of beat him up there. Uh, And then, obviously, the main topic and headline from this game is John Carlson going into the boards. Very awkward and scary. I remember seeing this, and uh, my my reaction was that I was thankful he was able to just roll over and go into the boards with his back first versus his knees. Um, Because if it was his knees, it could have been a very, very serious injury. Um, He was able to skate off the ice right after he went into the boards. It took him a second to get up. Uh, the Caps pulled him from the game as a precautionary thing just because it's an exhibition game. They're like, look, we don't need to risk it. Just take him out. Uh, he did not skate for a practice Thursday, I believe, or Friday, whichever day it is. But they're expecting him to be back by Saturday's practice. So good news for you Caps fans. It doesn't look like it's too serious and that they're too concerned about it. Moving on to the next game. Uh, this one, a little bit of a shocker. Um, definitely makes me feel good about well, I guess us makes us feel good about picking these guys as an upset as well. But Hawks versus the Blues. Yep. Hawks won 4 nothing over the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues, who are fully healthy with a with Tarasenko as well now. So uh, Kubelik had two goals and assists. Kane got on the board with two assists. Taze, two assists. Kirby Doc had two assists. Um, basically, all the guys you want to see scoring and contributing for Chicago did that. Uh, goalies we mentioned earlier, Crawford had a great game. Uh, he actually split time with Subban. They each stopped all the shots they faced. Crawford faced 11. Subban faced 10. Uh, Blues also spit, uh, split their goaltending. So Bennington stopped 11-13. Jake Allen stopped 8-10. Um, the Blues seemed just sluggish and a step behind the entire game. Um, now, luckily for them, unlike Florida, uh, they'll have more games to kind of get that sorted out. They'll have the round robin to determine seeding. So they're not going into like an elimination series yet. 
but you know, just just something you don't really want to see, and I don't think uh, we'll, we'll see it happen in any more games with the Blues. I think they'll sort it out. They're they're too good. So uh, next game would be the Rangers versus Islanders classic rivalry game. Uh, Isles did win two one, and it was just a typical Islanders game. Uh, Lou Lamorello, Barry Trotz, whoever you want to you know say uh, defense first, limiting shots to low percentage chances from the outside, and just capitalizing on their opportunities. Uh, the Rangers did have chances. Varlamov made some pretty big saves. I would be surprised if they don't go with him as the starter over Grice. Um, goal scorers, Bavillian and Tays for the Isles. Uh, shout out to uh, Andy Green getting an apple as well. Um, and then you had Philip Cheadle score for the Rangers. So in terms of the goaltending, I mentioned Varlamov and Grice. Uh, Varlamov stopped all 19 shots he faced. Grice stopped 7 of 8. Uh, Rangers, you had Shosturkin and Lundqvist dressed, no Gorgiev. Shosturkin stopped 6 of 7, Lundqvist stopped 14 of 15. Uh, biggest stats that jumped out to me as well, Isles 63% on the faceoffs, but 0 for 5 on the power play. Rangers 0 for 3 on their power play. Uh, Islanders 25 hits, Rangers only 18. And of course, no surprise, Rangers outshot the Islanders 27 to 22. But again, that's the style of play the Islanders have. It's more of a bend, don't break. We don't care about the shots from the outside as long as they're low percentage. Mm-hmm. Just turn around and try and capitalize on our opportunities. Um, and then the final game, uh, Canucks versus Jets. Again, plays into the, the Canucks wild matchup we were talking about. Jets won the game 4-1. to one. Um, The Jets looked very impressive against the Canucks to the point where I second guess my pick of Calgary in their playoff matchup. Um, but Canucks it was a game with a lot of shots. So, yeah, the, the Canucks are, are not the best. Um, it was a high shot game, 38 for Vancouver, 34 shots for the Jets. Uh, looking at the Jets' goal scores, you got Wheeler, Ehlers, Kulikov, and Pullman. Uh, for Vancouver, it was Roussel who scored. Um, Quinn Hughes had the most time on the ice, aside from Jacob Markstrom, the goaltender. So, among all the forwards and defensemen, Quinn Hughes logged 22 minutes and 12 seconds of ice time. Man, and a, uh, and a tune-up game, huh? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Let the kid just play. Yeah. Um, Markstrom played the whole game, and so did Hellebuck. There was no real split here for these teams with their backups. Hellebuck, man, um, he's insane. He is, yeah. Markstrom stopped 30 of 33. Hellebuck stopped 37 of 38. Um, it's really, and I think this is how we're going to see the Jets play a lot of their games. It was a game where the Jets just ride their offensive talent and Hellebuck's phenomenal goaltending to try and get a victory and just expose or minimize the exposure of their defense as much as possible. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't necessarily a, a game where Winnipeg dominated. Vancouver, Vancouver did have had a chance shot of too. Yeah, Vancouver had their chances. It's just it ended up being a duel between Markstrom and Hellebuck, two guys yeah. who are competing for the Vezina Trophy this year, and Hellebuck came out on top. And I'm yeah, sure, sure I think we both agree Hellebuck will come out on top in the Vezina voting as well. I would really hope so. so but, all right. But those yeah. are your games for that day as well. Oh. Yep. So I'm going to talk about the three games that happened on the 30th. Nashville and Dallas took the under in this game and was very pleased with the result. Only 2 nothing. Nashville won this one. Arvidsson scored both goals for them. Forsberg had two assists. Saros looked good, saving 12 of 12. Rene also played, also looked good, saving 13 of 13. That's absolutely huge for a Nashville team. That's going to need their goal mm-hmm. pending to be good if they want to do well. That's the only thing really holding them back. That offense has been a little poor, but. Ben Bishop played for the Stars, um, 16-18, and Anton Kadovin got some time, saved all nine shots thrown his way, total shots of 27-25. 
Preds were the better team. They looked pretty good. Um, good for John Hines. Interesting to see how the Preds do. If they get good goaltending, it should be pretty well. Maybe make a run, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Columbus played Boston. Columbus showed them up. Scored uh, won yeah. this game four one. Devil Killer Portstand is back, and he had two assists. Texier, who's Alexander Texier, who's also back. He had some type of injury and was supposed to miss a long period of time, but he healed extremely quick, and he was able to net an empty netter. Pasternak scored beauty of a goal. Um, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. A very nice goal for the Bruins. For only goal a game. Columbus dominated shot total, 31-24. They're showing that their defense is legit which has come since no surprise. Rask saved all... Uh, Rask was 17-21, saves Halak, saved all 10 that came his way. Corpusalo and Merzlinkis both played. Corpusalo was perfect, 11 for 11, and Merzlinkis was 12 for 13 in net. The last game was Vegas and Arizona. Vegas absolutely dominated Arizona. They won 4-1. Interestingly enough, Vegas scored one shorthanded goal, one power play goal, one even strength goal, and had one empty netter. So they scored at all different types of ways and strengths. Mm-hmm. Alexander Tuck had a goal and assist. His one, his goal was a crazy weird angle shot yeah. type of deal that should have probably been saved, but you got to give him credit. This was a nice shot. Roy and Cousins had two assists also for Vegas. Mr. Taylor Hall scored a long goal for Arizona. Overall shots were 27-23 in favor of Vegas. Good news for Vegas. Flurry played well, played the whole game, stopping 22 of 23. Darcy Kemper stopped 17 and 19. And Anthony Ronta stopped 6 of 7. So that's your recap from the three days of tune up games. Um, so you see all these games, Chris. Give me the one series you're most certain of. Who you think is going to win it? Most certain. Most certain for like the, uh, the qualifying, qualifying round. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling very, very comfortable with the Wild over the Canucks. Um, I'm I'm very enthused about the Blackhawks as well as I mentioned. Yeah, um, so am I. but I think I think I'm really looking forward to Minnesota upsetting Vancouver, and then that'll give us Devils fans another thing to watch on. You know, whenever the Phase Two draft lottery is. Well, so if Vancouver wins that game, Devils don't get that pick regardless of what happens. Oh, I thought, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's it's Arizona the pick. Arizona one that's lottery protected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think Arizona's going to win. They looked miserable, too. Um, they yeah. play Nashville. So Nashville looks good. I think Nashville gets that done. Pretty confident in that one. That's probably mm-hmm. up there for me. I, I got to stick with that. I've been harping on it the whole time. I know Winnipeg looked good, but once again, comes on the shoulder of Hellebuck and the Flames kind of struggled, but I'm still going to say I'm most confident in the Flames beating the Canucks. Connor Hellebuck, mm-hmm. even if he struggles a tad, the Jets are screwed, so who knows? I, mean, I, I think there's certain teams they can do that style of play against where they ride on their offensive Well, their levels. offense is not as good as it usually is. Um, if you look at their offensive statistics this year, it, they weren't that great. It's just mm. all been Hellebuck. It's yeah, just but they, all him. They have the talent. They they can put it together. They had the um, talent. The talent just didn't really do much this year. Look at the the scoring. Their top score, I think, only had seventy points. And besides that, the next highest was like in the forties. Yeah, I mean, Euler, Shifley, Wheeler, they all got on the board. Line mm-hmm. A, it just takes a good shot to get him on the board. I think there's maybe a couple teams they could escape, you know, playing that kind of style with. But as soon as they meet someone who's defensively structured, that's where they'll be in trouble. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm still going to say that's my most confident, but we'll see what happens there. So we'll give you a little schedule preview of what's going to happen now with the like actual qualifying round games and the round robin games. Those games commence Saturday, August 1st. You got five games spanning from noon to 10.30 at night. All day hockey. It's like March Madness, but the NHL, baby. Yep. Um, don't bring up March Madness. That makes me sad. But <laughs> on the second, five games from 2 o'clock to 10.30. There's one round robin game mixed in there. St. Louis plus Colorado. August 3rd, we got six games from 12 to 10.30. One round robin game, Washington and Tampa Bay. So that brings us to August 4th, which is... Tuesday, I think. Um, there's six games from 12 to 10:45. That 10:45 game, I think, is the wild game, real late one. There's no round robin games. So after that night, all round two or all game ones and twos in that series in the qualifying round series will be completed. There's actually one game three that night, Carolina and uh, the Rangers. So we're planning on recording the following day and we're going to give you basically a breakdown of what we saw what we're thinking how we're feeling about our picks so we'll be dropping an episode on thursday morning and we'll of course have our episode dropping on monday the following week so we're going to tune it up here give you guys two episodes a week given that hockey's back there's more to talk about so we're excited about that absolutely okay anything else you want to say before we move on here chris any last minute thoughts picks i think anything um I think we saw a lot in the exhibition games. Uh, I think the players are, or at least ready for one game. We'll see how the stamina holds up because these guys were all training at home, just trying to stay in shape. Basically, uh, didn't really have access to team facilities except until after they sorted out the whole training camp situation. So we'll see how it holds up, like over multiple games, how the stamina looks. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, these guys are going to be healthier than they normally would coming out of an NHL season but they're also probably not going to be a, a, in the same shape that they would be from coming straight out of, you know, the end of a regular season, fully built up stamina-wise. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see that when the series starts. Who, who you know, if any teams or players kind of tire out real easily. Yeah, I noticed. I noticed. To try and stay in shape at home. Yeah, I noticed the shot totals and the, the shot attempt statistics and all those weren't very high. Um, I think the only shot totals that breached 30 was that Vancouver game. And we've even been seeing this in baseball. I saw a tweet before I hopped on the record this that hitting in baseball this year is at a, a historic low right now. And that's just because guys didn't get a chance to get readjusted yeah. after the long layoff. Like it's it's been miserable to watch these guys hit. But anyway, um, we're going to move on now. We're going to talk about the 2017 New Jersey Devils draft class. This is part one. We'll be talking about very briefly Nico Hishier. We'll go more in depth with Jesper Boquist, Fabian Zetterlund, Riley Walsh, and Nikita Papagayev. So, like I said, start with Nico. Nico is the first overall pick in that draft. We're well aware he's where he's at. Got the new Who's contract extension. Yeah, right. Got that new great contract extension. He looks like he's going to be a first, second line centerman, two way, does it all for the Devils for a very long time, which is great. I got to admit, when I first, when the draft was coming around, the whole Nolan Patrick, Nico Hushier, I was like, Don't tell me you were a Patrick guy. No, I wasn't like, I wanted okay. to take Patrick, but I thought <laughs> I, I didn't hate Patrick as much as many Devils fans did. A lot of Devils fans like Hushier or nothing. If they took Patrick, I wouldn't have been too upset because I liked Patrick as a prospect. Unfortunately uh-huh. for him and Flyers fans, he's just been banged up and hurt the whole time. But I mean, Devils made the right choice. Play again. Yeah, it's, it's I know he's the got Flyers a pretty bad migraine issue. Everyone hates not Flyers, but you never want to see stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, that's Nico. I don't know if you have anything else to say here. I think it's pretty self-explanatory where he's at yeah, right now. Yeah, I mean, Nico's going to be Nico. Um, I think we had a previous episode where we talked about captains. Um, I, I think Nico will end up being a captain at some point in the future. I think it'll be Zajac first, and Zajac doesn't have many years left with the team, in my Zajac, opinion. So yeah, I, I, I think it'll probably be like Zajac. My guy's my Paul opinion, Murray. Yeah, Paul Murray's another good choice too. So, yeah. um, but I think we can both agree he's kind of like next after either of those two. I would assume so. Yeah, so. if he doesn't get it next year, he sometime in the future. But moving on, Jesper Boquist was taken in the second round, 36th overall pick that year. Mm-hmm. Boquist struggled this year, and it kind of sucked because everyone had high hopes for him because he looked really good in the preseason. Yeah. Um, he played in 35 NHL games this year, only had four goals, no assists. His Corsi 4 percentage was 45, which is below average, and his expected goal was 39.74, which is very below average. But average is 50, by the way, for both these categories. Both these ranks, uh, I think the expected goals was last among all qualified rookies, and the course he was also near the bottom. It was not a good year for him in the NHL, and it probably had a lot to do with who he was playing with because they would just stick him on that fourth line roll and give him like eight minutes a night. Sometimes he got yeah. better line mates, but even then he really didn't. Do well. I mean, we know he's a skill guy, and you're putting him in a like a he'll grinder kind of role, basically. So yeah, he'll be yeah. fine. Um, he did play in Binghamton towards the end of the year. There, he helped Binghamton resurge and make that cool run to would have been the playoffs if the playoffs happened. Hit 11 mm. points, eight of which were goals in 19 games played down there, and a plus four. Like I said, no need to worry about Boquist yet. He'll be yeah. on the team out of camp next year. Um, we'll see how he does next year. Hopefully he gets himself some good linemates and he becomes that player we all think he will become. Yeah, I'm just glad that they didn't try and fit a, a square peg into a round hole, basically. You know, if you see it's not working, let the kid go back down, let him keep developing. That's that's an easy way to destroy your prospects. Is by Very trying smart to force move. So, Very smart especially move. with like us, you know, realistically – uh, the best we could hope for is competing for a wild card spot. I don't think anyone would have expected us to finish top three in the toughest division in the league. So, you know, that I, I was glad to see that as well. And I think he did turn it on towards the end of that run with Bing, too. He was a big part of that as well. Yeah, so. he was. The, he was really well. Like I said, his stats were he had 11 points in 19 games and he had some clutch goals down the stretch there. Um, okay, next guy we're going to talk about is Fabian Zetterlund, third round pick. 63rd overall 46 games for Bing this year he had 19 points he played more of a bottom six role before coming over his shl production wasn't all that great which kind of was a little discouraging but he's being regarded as a really good prospect um a lot of people had him actually around the devil's top 10 after this season went on for a little bit i dropped him i have him around 15th 14th i think he's gonna be he could turn into a guy, a solid bottom guy. His shot is absolutely electric. It's lethal. He's a pure sniper. It's like awesome to watch. He scored some goals this year in Binghamton that just made you think like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Chris, do you have anything to say on Zetterlund? I mean, a lot of what I see is uh, he's very aggressive on the forecheck, wants the puck on his stick, um, and that feeds right into what you were saying about how he's got an incredible shot. Uh you know, hopefully that translates to the pro level. Uh, hopefully that development keeps going. So, yeah, that's Zetterlund. We're going to move on to Riley Walsh. And, man, what a steal this was in the third round, 81st overall. Defenseman for Harvard, playing some college hockey. Um, before last season, he was actually on the preseason watch list for the Hobie Baker Award. As we know, the Hobie Baker Award is awarded to the top player in all of the NCAA um, college hockey. 
Um, like I said, absolute steal. Um, 30 games for Harvard this year, and he had 27 points as a defenseman. That's absurd production. Um, offensively, he could do it on, in, on the, his own end as well. I have him as a top three prospect in the devil system. This kid's legit. Um, it's just all about being able to sign him when that time comes, because we know how situations could get a bit sticky when it comes to signing college players. Yeah, that's, that's something I wish the NHL would fix in the future CBA, but... That's another topic. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's Riley Walsh, Alaska. You have anything else you want to say, to Walsh? But all good. I mean, shout out college hockey. Um, mm-hmm. Is he going into his fourth year with Harvard now? Is he going into his senior year? He is. Oh, Next at. year would be his senior year. I believe he is returning. But I read an interesting thing where these college players are um, for their final year of eligibility because all the concerns and question marks going around with college sports. Um, yeah. I, I don't know who the prospect was, but he just signed with an SHL team to play his last year of eligibility over in Sweden. I'd be, I, I'd like to see Walsh do that, um, go over to SHL and play one year in major a major league over there or somewhere mm-hmm. overseas. I think that'd be good for his his uh, his growth as a player. But yeah, yeah. something to monitor there. Last guy we're going to talk about is Nikita Papagayev, and this kid is a unit. Fourth round pick, ninety eight overall, ninety eighth overall. He's a six foot six Russian winger. <laughs> so he played seventeen games for Binghamton two years ago, and I don't know if you guys are familiar, but there was this whole falling out. He's playing over in the KHL, MHL, and a falling out with his team because he wanted to play in the KHL, but he was only playing in the MHL. So he's like, screw it, I'm coming over, I'm signing a contract, let's go over to Binghamton. He played the end of the season with Binghamton in 17 games. He didn't, I think he only had a point or two. Um, played 47 games for the Devils ECHL affiliate, only had 25 points in those 47 games. Started out really hot, kind of cooled off towards the end. He's a big dude, and watching him skate's a little interesting. I mean, he has a big stride, but it's a little rough. Um I don't know. I don't know if he'll ever contribute at the NHL level, but I definitely want to see him get a chance back in Binghamton. I don't have him inside the Devils' top 25 system, but you say anything here on Papagayev? I mean, I think there's a, there's a chance for him to develop. It looks like he played in the ECHL as well, this most recently with the uh, Adirondack Thunder, if I'm seeing that correctly. So, who knows? There, there's I've seen some stuff that says he can beat defenders one-on-one. Um I mean, the KHL and MHL, all that over there is, is a lot different than he was, hockey over he, here. So Yeah, he was really good in the MHL. Um, it's not terribly hard to be good in that league, but he had a point-per-game pace. And in the KHL, you know, like two points from like 20 games. So that wasn't all that great. But Yeah. So the last thing we're going to talk about is it's our Devils pending free agent segment. We've knocked out all the Binghamton free agents, UFAs, and RFAs. We're moving to the NHL level club. There's actually only one like true NHL unrestricted free agent. Um, we talked Big about the time. Dakota, yeah, right. We talked about Dakota Mermis, who's a UFA, but we talked about him when we talked about the Binghamton, and we also talked about Frederick Clayson, but we talked about him when he was uh, as a Binghamton UFA. The only other UFA that Dennis had is fan favorite Mr. Kevin Rooney. Rooster. Yeah. So. Rooney has 95 career NHL games, only 10 goals, nine, uh, nine assists, 19 points. His Corsi number is not good. It's 43.2. His relative relative Corsi number. I don't know if I've ever talked about this statistic. So I'll give a little background. Basically, what this measures is when you're on the ice versus when you're off. Um, if a player is, when he's on the ice, the team's better than when he's off, this number will be positive. 
when he's not, when the team's worse off when he's on the ice, this number will be negative. Um, you want to guess what Rooney's is? Do you think it's positive or negative here, Chris? Uh, well, let's see. Heinz kept putting them out there, so it's got to be positive. No, no, no. Come on, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> negative, my friend. Um, when when Kevin it. Rooney's on the ice, the Devils are giving up more shot attempts than they are producing. So... His AHL output, actually, I looked into it. And usually guys like this, their AHL output's pretty good. 0.4 points per game, which isn't great. Um, but Rooney, I got to give him credit. I know we rag on Kevin Rooney. He's a really good defensive player, even at the NHL level. He was great on the PK. Mm, um, he, yeah. did, he, he was good defensively. Offensively is another story. He's not too good on that side of the ice. But, um, Seems like the goals he scores, too, are like important moments. Like... <laughs> I feel like every time he scores, it's like a big goal in the game or something. Yeah, even I, though he doesn't score that much. Yeah, um, I'm not a Kevin Rooney guy. I don't. I don't think you are either, right, Chris? <laughs> I, I'm like half and half on him. I don't hate the guy. I don't think he should be like starting on the second line or anything like that either. Um, no, he, no I'm, way. I'm half and half on him. So <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't like him. This I mean, with Heinz just... behind the bench, you know, <laughs> all bets are off. Yeah, and when I everyone knows when we say like, oh, we don't like this player. I'm sure he's. They're all really good dudes and stuff. I, we're just talking about like how he is on the ice. Um, I, I'm not a fan of Rooney's. Uh, his numbers aren't pretty. His HL numbers aren't pretty. I don't think they should bring him back. Um, I don't think they have it in them to bring him back and only put him in the HL. I think he'll somehow find his way out on the ice. And with all these young kids, this should not be the case. He, he's not an NHL player. Not even a fourth liner. Um, mm-hmm. like, like I said, if they want to bring him back and keep him straightly in the HL, go ahead, do it. But even then, his production wasn't great, and you got more younger guys down there. For me, it's a pass on this to Rooney. How about you, Chris? So I think there's a chance they do end up resigning him. Um, I think there's there's two questions you've got to ask yourself, um, and, and part of it involves being real. If you're the Devils, um, looking at you know the roster and, and what they have right now, I see three potential forward spots up for grabs. Uh, in training he's camp. a centerman though mm-hmm. he is a centerman and you could be signing him as a depth guy or you know someone to play a fourth line role again because i mean you got you got your not. guys in the minor you got Boakfist, you got foot merkley quoken in malt sefcini are any of those guys ready do you see them ready to take no. on that time and, and come to the next stage Devils and then the other question is the uh, agents, centers. so they mm-hmm. have four centers there's centers of say it's nico Use Zay Jack and Zaka next year, and who knows if they draft on it. They draft a guy yeah. like Marco Rossi or someone. That's another center. So I mean, we'll Rooney, see. Zaka plays the wing too, and and to be honest, I mean, centerman can play wing. I don't. It, it always bothered me playing when guys were like, "No, we play center." It's like, dude, I'm, just just learn the system and you're fine. Like, I'm pretty sure Kevin goes. Rooney. Um, he has he's pretty good on the dot. Rooney's a center. You don't want him playing wing. His defensive abilities, he needs to play center. Mm-hmm. Um. You know how centers and you're, you played hockey. I didn't play hockey, but you, you can agree that centers are more need to be defensive, uh, reliable. They got more. Yeah, you, you definitely have more yeah. uh, responsibilities defensively. Yeah. Um, as long as you know each position understands their responsibility in the system, you, you can do your job. But the centermen, yeah, they'll, they'll typically have more responsibilities. Yeah. But I mean, I just I don't think. With that question in mind of your guys who are, you know, who's ready in the minors prospect wise. And then also, you know, the free agent landscape, like you're not, I'm not talking about bringing in like the most expensive guy you can find, but you know, are there any guys like a Fro League or like a Melker Carlson or a Matt Martin? Maybe you want to bring in something like that over 
Kevin Rooney. I mean, it's a combination of those two things. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them give him like a one-year deal or something as like a stopgap until like they think more players from within the system are ready to come up. So I honestly think there is more players ready to come up, and I think there would be more of an impact than Rooney. But mm-hmm. yeah, I can see it going either way. I, I, I don't, I don't this, I don't think that it's a guarantee they sign him. But I also don't think that he won't end up signed at all. Blast. I think there's a good chance if they look at their stuff and they're like, hey, let's sign him, and that way we're covered. And if these guys are ready, you know, we'll send them to Bing. So yeah, I got you. Um, makes sense. But yeah, you know what? That's all we got, I believe. Right. Yeah. Well, it's just going to end her out here. Um, so, like I said, be on the lookout. We're dropping this one. Keep your eyes open because we're going to be, like I said, dropping this other episode on Thursday, summarizing games one and two and possibly three. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Chris, you want to say any last things? Let's go, Devils. Hashtag bad boys for life. All right, everyone. Be safe out there. Have a good one. We will talk to you guys soon. 